It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided here on Life Coach Radio Network. And a reminder that this show and all the shows on Life Coach Radio Network are sponsored by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, online periodicals. For anything audio-related, it's Audible.com. Go on, type in Life Coach Radio Network for this contest and find out some great prizes and contests that you can participate in. That's audible.com. And again, welcome into Undivided. This is episode 22. We are live here at 7 p.m. on the East Coast here in New Jersey, where I am. My guest will be joining me from somewhere else. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. Here we sit on May the 16th, 2018. And again, we are live, Undivided Anxiety and Parenting is the topic this evening. And I sit here very fortunate and very lucky uh, for two reasons. One, I was battling a sinus thing and had some laryngitis going on the last couple of days. So I'm very thankful to God to have my voice back. And bear with me because I'm still bouncing back from this tonight. I'm also very grateful because I have power and lights and internet and everything afforded to me to be able to provide you this show because the storms that rolled through New Jersey yesterday and today, very powerful storms at at one point, 150,000 people without power right now, we're about 50,000 people when I last checked, mostly in the Northern part of my home state. So my thoughts and prayers are with them tonight and those who are struggling and suffering as a tornado actually touched down in North Jersey amidst the severe storms yesterday. And again, as we talk about anxiety and parenting, I'm left with Mother's Day and a remembrance of all mothers as we came out of Mother's Day on Sunday. And I hope you all had a wonderful Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And as I mentioned at the end of my show two weeks ago with Arlene Schneider, May is the month of Mary, the month of the Blessed Mother, the month of mothers with Mother's Day. And I have two moms on the show and a bridge between two programs that intertwine different viewpoints on parenting. Last show, episode 21, with Arlene dealt with high school students and stress. And now tonight we will talk about anxiety and parenting with Maggie Stearns. Anxiety is a powerful force. You know, I talked about the storms that came through New Jersey. Anxiety can feel like a storm. Anxiety can pummel people, disempower them. Anxiety can divide people and families. It can divide couples and parents with their own children. Anxiety can force parents to make decisions that they wouldn't naturally or normally do. We're going to talk about how it's natural for parents to worry, but the overcompensation into anxiety is a paralysis, paralyzes parents. 
We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about different disorders, such as SAD or SAD, as some people call it, social anxiety disorder. Now, the studies that I looked at prior to coming on the program this evening, parents demonstrated uh, that had social anxiety disorder demonstrated less warmth, less positivity. They were Their affect was different. They were more critical. And those criticisms, those doubts, they doubted the competency of their own children. And that, there's a transference there. I call it transference. I didn't see any official name, but there is a transference of how parental feelings, parental viewpoints, uh, different parental habits, if you will, get transferred onto the child. They take on some of those, and some studies have proven this. They take on some of those components. Anxiety by gender is something else we're going to discuss is the gender divide has long been something in the gender barrier in our society as long as something that we've discussed on this show in a variety of different aspects in previous episodes. There are many, many more studies on, on women or mothers than on men who are fathers when it comes to anxiety and parenting. So we're going to dive into that with Maggie as well. The divide tonight, when we go into our first segment, I'm going to introduce Maggie in a moment. The divide tonight as you know, is always our first segment. We'll talk about flight or fight. That's a big thing with me with anxiety. Do parents flee kind of some of their responsibilities? Do they stay in there, and, and are they too overbearing on their children? There's The divide tonight is going to be controlling parents, helicopter parenting, which we'll discuss, which is a big trend right now. Versus hands-off parents, parents that are laissez-faire, parents that don't care, quote-unquote, what their kids do. And then the secondary divide that we're going to discuss is that transference that I talked to you about before, that how you parent has an effect on children. Versus another group of parents that feel that no matter what I do, my children are going to be the same. It doesn't matter how I parent them. My parenting of them has no bearing on how they're going to quote unquote turn out as adults. So we're going to dive into all that. Maggie Stearns is my guest tonight. I'm very blessed to have her, as I mentioned before, also a mom. She's a wife, a mom to three young kids, professional life coach, and a licensed mental health therapist. Her coaching practice focuses on mothers who feel like they don't have enough time to quote unquote unbusy themselves to have a more balanced life. Maggie has also run a thriving mental health private practice for 13 years, treating a variety of conditions, including anxiety and depression. Maggie has given empowerment presentations and has also been a guest on several radio programs in Minneapolis. Maggie calls Minnesota her home. She joins us from there this evening. She's going to lend her expertise on this very important aspect of parenting tonight to our audience. Maggie. Welcome to Undivided. Hi, Frank. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear me, Frank? Yes, and be mindful there is a slight delay, so don't be thrown off by that. So we're okay, going to join in. We're going to jump right in. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes we might cut each other. That's okay. It happens on this show. People are, are cool with it. The divide tonight 
is, as I said in the open, these controlling parents, helicopter parenting, parents that parent from a, a place of anxiety versus those that are hands off. So I think, you know, as we discussed prior to coming on, I think the place to start is when did this all start? When did anxiety and parenting become something that was an increasingly visible connection, you know, within the psychological community? Well, anxiety has always been present in in human beings, but it has, like you said, become really visible, especially with the explosion of social media in the past decade or so. Um, you know, the the Facebook and the Instagram and the all all the ways that we can now be so intimately connected to what other people are doing and their experiences, um, and you know, just real really almost sitting in their living room virtually, we are now um, able to do a lot more as parents of comparing ourselves to other people's lives. And this is really highlighted now through the social media explosion. We compare ourselves more as parents. We're constantly assessing how we measure up. Also, we can, we can do basically everything we want to or need to virtually online. So with this comes an unlimited access to resources. And with anxiety, the more options and choices we have, we um, you know, tend to get too many options, create more anxiety. Also, by nature, people with anxiety have a really difficult time making choices. So the more that's available to them, the harder it is to you know, really kind of cope with that and sort things out. What ends up happening is they tend to not make decisions because of feeling so overwhelmed. So, yeah, in the last decade or so, things have really come to light as far as anxiety related to parenting because there's so much of that comparison game going on. And I've heard that, too. Uh, thank you. That's, uh, that's really great insight and great line of sight, I think, for our listeners. And I've heard that, too, you know, that parents, they're, they're – on their own social media on, on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and the kids are running around and doing stuff around the house. Cause, and they're constantly looking at what other people are doing and constantly looking at how they're with their families and saying, well, why isn't it the same thing? Not realizing that a lot of that is, as I've discussed before in social media is a lot of it is stagehand, as I like to say, and, and you're not getting really what those people their lives actually are. So that's really interesting that that social media is a big divide that we've talked about at points on the show. That's, that's kind of feeding the beast here uh, with right. anxiety. Yeah. What are the long-term effects? Social... Yeah. yeah. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I, I always remind my clients that those social media platforms really are a highlight reel. We're able to be selective about, you know, what in our lives we want to share with other people. And, you know, we as parents sometimes tend to forget that that is a skewed version of reality. Meanwhile, we are experiencing the ups and downs and the, you know, the good things and the stressors in our own lives and forgetting that other people are also experiencing those. They're just not putting them out for the world to see all the time. Exactly. It's kind of like a behind the curtain kind of scenario and you're seeing the stage. You're seeing the players on the stage. You're not seeing what's going on behind the scenes. 
And people, right. they, they do that. They'll, they'll look at photos of people on vacation. They'll see, you know, oh, these people are having so much fun. Why isn't my life like that? So I'm sure you've dealt with a lot of that in your own private practice of people looking at that and measuring themselves constantly. Uh, we did a whole show on that uh, similar topic with Marla Goldberg talking about how, you know, people are trying to keep up with the Joneses versus finding their true fulfillment. And that was a big divide that we discussed. We got a lot of great feedback that night and during that show. Um, what do you think of the long-term effects, as I mentioned, the open of social anxiety disorder, or SAD, and other anxiety disorders, because there are several, and I've read about some, and I'm sure you know about a lot, on those parental roles? I think it's important to first point out that some stress and worry is actually normal and can be healthy. Uh, it, you know, often in small doses and as long as, as it's not for long periods of time, it can put us into action. You know, it can help us study for that, help motivate us to study for that exam that we need to pass. It can help us get our work done at work because our job is important to us. So, in, in reasonable doses, stress and worry can be healthy. However, there is a fine line and is, it is often crossed into, you know, excessive um, amounts of that is anxiety. So parents with anxiety, as far as how it affects their parental roles, it affects their judgment and it, it can often incapacitate them like you were alluding, excuse me, alluding to in the uh, beginning of the show, it, it affects affect, it affects their motivation. Um, we need all of those things to nurture our kids and to make good decisions. So that really greatly impacts their ability to actually just carry out their role and make decisions for kids um, that they so desperately need us to do. The anxious parent causes kids to grow up too fast at times because the anxious um, parent is needing caretaking themselves. They maybe can't carry out some normal daily functioning and kids are very intuitive and they catch on to this and uh, end up sort of filling in the gaps for the parents that aren't able to carry out their normal parental roles. So it can cause them to grow up too fast. Also, uh, like you, like you mentioned, social anxiety disorder, naturally parents with social anxiety tend to avoid things that cause them to become anxious. And in this case, it's social situations and social interactions. While one can imagine that if a parent is really limiting their own social interactions and experiences, the child is also then more limited to those experiences growing up, you know, especially at a young age when they're really living the lives under the, the wings of their parents. That's very interesting. It's a whole other aspect to the topic where, you think of, of how it, I call it transference. I don't know if there's an official word for it, but how that there's a transference of that, almost like when we talk about energy leadership, the transference of energy from one person to another, uh, the transference of that to a child, but then also that the parent themselves is struggling to even do their own basic, you know, life skills. And, and that can happen. You, you know, you see, unfortunately, in the news in this situation in California with the 10 children, how horrible that is, and, and what happened there with um, a mother completely disengaged from, from what was going on. And that's all 
a whole other situation, but, you know, the anxiety, depression, mental illness can really uh, change a person to the point where they're paralyzed themselves. We're at 7.15. It goes by fast, as I tell you. It's time for our 15-minute break. Undivided episode 22 will be back in just a moment with Maggie Stearns. Anxiety and parenting is the topic this evening. Thank you for joining us. Upcoming show promotion here on the networks. Sisters of the Diaspora, Trina Ramsey and the gals. Sisters of the Diaspora. Thursday, the 17th of May, that's tomorrow. New episode comes your way at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel, part of the Life Coach radio network family of networks. Sisters of Diaspora, Trina Ramsey and the gals, Thursday, that's tomorrow, the 17th of May, 7 p.m. Eastern, on Life Coach chat channel. Catholic Charities, 1-800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, 1-800-919-9338. Give from the heart, www.salvationarmyus.org, and go on that website and enter your zip code to donate in your local community, or as someone I know just mentioned to me, enter your state, Google the most impoverished zip code, and donate to them. That's an idea. And we're back here on Undivided. It's 717. We are live on the East Coast. Undivided show, that's undivided, S-H-O-W at gmail.com if you want to email a question or comment for Maggie or myself, especially with this topic area. We've seen that with certain sensitive topics. People would rather email than call in. That's fine. We're going to open the phone lines at 7.30 after our 7.30 midpoint of the show break, as we usually do here on Undivided. Audible.com is our sponsor. And Maggie, getting back to where we were before the uh, 15-minute break here, what is helicopter parenting? I mentioned that in the show open as well. What is helicopter parenting, and what are the repercussions of that style of parenting, especially in the context of what I've talked about a lot on the show, the societal secular crisis within the family unit? I know it's a big question. And I appreciate you tackling it for me. What is helicopter parenting? Helicopter parenting is an overprotecting parenting style where the parent pays extremely close attention to the child's experiences and activities and is, is over-focused. And, you know, just like the term says, it's a, a hovering of in an attempt to control uh, the child's immediate environment at all times. And helicopter parenting has a lot of significant repercussions, um, you know, to where we don't even have time today to discuss them all. However, some important ones that I wanted to make sure I mentioned, uh, these kids that have been helicopter parented emerge from childhood usually less confident and actually less competent to, you know, carry out independent living skills once they're older, such as cooking, laundry, paying the bills, because they, you know, haven't, they've either had everything done for them or their hovering parent, the helicoptering parent has, you know, really kind of controlled and said how things were supposed to be done. 
They also emerge from childhood having a hard t- harder time making decisions or problem solving simply because they just really don't have experience doing so. Helicopter parents tend to make decisions for them and solve a lot of their problems for them. This also causes them uh, to take a less initiative. So this really does have a this does create a societal crisis because these children emerge from childhood as less self-starters and they're less motivated young adults. And so, you know, them striving for achievement at all levels is impacted when they're not being as big as self-starters and they're less motivated. So that has some real big societal repercussions. Wow. Very, very big um, issue there. As far as societal crisis, that's a big thing. And I see that in some of the work I do with uh, people that are young adults and what you would call the typical millennials. Uh, Some of them are between the ages of 18 and 21. And I see them and I see their approach to work and approach to certain problems. And it does echo what you just said. You know, the, the motivation isn't there at points they hit any kind of adversity and they don't know how to react. And so I think it's, it's part of how that they were parented. You know, the second piece, you know, the, the secular crisis within the family, I've felt that way for a while that I think society is attacking the family unit, throwing a lot of things, one through social media, the noise that we deal with every day. And they're trying to break apart uh, families, separate families from one another uh, by throwing all this dif- disinformation our way. And so with that coupled with, you know, this overcompensation in parenting, we've got, like, as you said, these kids come out and they can't really function in ways that they're going to be needed to out in the world. So that's definitely going to have certain repercussions that I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into as the evening goes on. Uh I mentioned also in the introduction as we continue to look at the divide here, the gender effect. So anxiety, you know, has different effects on men and women. And then in these roles as fathers and others respectively, uh, there's a lot more studies, as I mentioned in the open, on women. There's a gap in the studies on the effect of anxiety for men and fatherhood. So how does anxiety, in your experience, affect men as fathers, women as mothers? Is it similar or is it different? And how or why is that? Yeah, it, it, in some ways it can be similar in um, some very distinct ways it is different. I want to just really briefly, um, you know, touch on your comment that there are more studies done on women Anxiety affects women at twice the rate it does men. Um, That has a lot to do with the chemical balance in the brain. And so also women, there's an earlier onset of anxiety generally um, amongst women. And women are more often to experience anxiety uh, in relation to or in, let's see, co-occurring with other mental health diagnoses. So that that's what explains a lot of why there are more studies 
done on women with anxiety than on men. Um, you know, women are more likely to seek treatment. They are, because anxiety is often seen by the person who has it, and unfortunately sometimes in society as a weakness or a vulnerability, because of the lack of self-control of the thoughts that tend to be so all-consuming with anxiety, women are more likely to talk about it and seek help. Also, if they happen to go in for another mental health condition, such as depression or something else, anxiety is more likely to be noticed if they're already being treated for something else. So there is that. Men, their anxiety tends to manifest itself in some quote-unquote safer emotions, such as anger and irritability. And men, men's anxiety tends to be more related um, with parenting or as the father figure, pressure on themselves to be the financial provider of the household. Now for women, it does tend to look a little different. And usually that their anxiety manifests itself in quote unquote more vulnerable feelings such as worry or inadequacy. And they put a lot of pressure on themselves as a parent to do it all. Um, they tend to be harder on themselves and more likely to compare themselves to others. So those are really some of the primary differences. I did not realize that um, anxiety affected women twice as much as it did men. So that would explain the gap, obviously, in some of the of the studies. I have uh, talked about the differences in seeking treatment I did the mental health, the, the stigma around mental illness show with uh, Nicholas Perez, which was way back, uh, back in time, as we like to say on, on this program. And uh, very interesting show. And he was talking about that how men will you know, choose not to, to seek treatment because it's a form of, of weakness or a sign of weakness. Um, women are more likely to, to do so. And that's probably explains some of the effect of that. Uh, some of the other studies I looked at was, you know, anxious fathers tend to be really more controlling um, from what I read. And, and I've seen that in, in different things that uh, uh, personal experiences and experiences with, with people that have counseled and mothers uh, tend to use more punishment. You know, I'm, you're going to be grounded if you don't do X, Y, or Z, or I'm going to take away your phone because of X. Yeah. And, and those are the two things that I pulled out of there. Did you want to speak to that uh, really quickly, those two um, trends, if you will, with anxiety and, on both fathers and mothers? Yes, it makes sense that it manifests itself in that way uh, because anxiety is such a control-based, you know, fear-based condition. So when we as humans are feeling very out of control of, how we're feeling or how we're thinking or even circumstances that truly are out of our control yet impact our lives to such a great degree. We, without even consciously being aware of it, sometimes overcompensate when we're feeling out of control of something in our life. And that can manifest itself in being more controlling in the parental role or even in the consequences that are being dished out to the children in parenting. That bridges us and segues us. Thanks for that answer um, and for tacking on there. 
to our next question. What is the role of anxiety in the parent-adolescent relationship? And how would parenting with anxiety shortchange, quote-unquote, adolescents in their preparation for adulthood? So as far as anxiety and its impact on the parent-adolescent relationship, you know, it's really difficult because adolescence is already sort of an anxiety-provoking time in, you know, a, de- a developmentally normal situation. Um, so on top of that, you've got an adolescent trying to navigate his or her way through adolescence in a healthy but yet tumultuous sort of time in their lives. And then you've got an anxious parent trying to trying to maybe trying to or not trying to help them navigate through that. So it does tend to add more anxiety on top of an already anxious time for an adolescent if they are being parented by an anxious parent. Also, um, if a parent is overbearing and, you know, sort of does the helicopter parenting that we already talked about, it does tend to push an adolescent away from the parent at a time where they're already trying to separate and become independent in a healthy way. So it sort of pushes that dynamic into an unhealthy territory because they're now pushing away, not because it's, it's just time to sort of become more independent, but because that parent is being overbearing if that is indeed their parenting style. Um, and then as far as shortchanging the adolescence in preparation for adulthood, I did talk earlier about how they actually become less confident and competent because of that helicopter parenting. They can become more anxious about life in general because anxiety can be a very learned thing. So when we're just, I mean, from the day we're born, our, our primary caregivers mirror for us how we should see the world. And we see the world through their eyes, through their experiences and through their reactions. And if you've got a highly anxious parent, um, you know, it, it just undoubtedly is going to lead to some more anxiety. Um, if the parent, if the anxious parent can't draw necessary boundaries with the child, it actually robs the child of learning their limits and practicing making responsible choices, which is extremely important in an adolescent's life in that stage where they're really transitioning from being parented a lot to trying to gain some healthy independence. So when a parent is a solid anchor, children can, you know, take healthy risks, they can problem solve, and they can venture out of their comfort zone, which, again, just helps them be more well-adjusted adults and function in society. That's a great answer. And all those themes, you're right, like the mirroring, as I talk about transference, uh, we do, we mirror the caregiver that we had and it's because it's such a close relationship and it's, you know, the lens that we see the world in as we talk about in coaching or perspective, it's really shaped and modeled you know, by your parents or by whoever it is in that role that is, is raising you. We're right at 7.30 on the button. We're pros here. Uh, Life Coach Radio Network Undivided, episode 22, will be back in a moment. This Anxiety and Parenting. Maggie Stearns is along with me today as the special guest on the program. Upcoming show promotion for you, Push Through. Paul Garwood is the host. Paul Garwood was on this show back on episode 19, Push Through, which 
deals with a lot of different issues around anxiety, depression, mental illness. So there's a tie there to tonight's show as well. Paul's uh, next brand new episode airs on Sunday, May the 20th. That's this Sunday. His show is always on Sunday night. So his new episode comes up Sunday, May the 20th, 8 p.m. Eastern over on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Push Through with Paul Garwood. He came on the show with me. We did the suicide epidemic. Sunday, May 20th, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Great show. Talks about all different forms of mental illness and brings on guests that have pushed through, hence the name of the show, those experiences in life to go beyond and move forward in a positive and healing way. It's a great show if you're struggling with any of those issues or know someone that is. And that's a great bridge to www.samaritanspurse.org, www.salvationarmyus.org, and a great bridge to the spot I do every week, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you or someone that you love or know has something in their mind that they just can't get around, if you have something you're struggling with or you know someone that's really struggling with something and you think they could hurt themselves or they could do something to themselves, please call the number 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. You matter. Every life is precious. Every life is made by God. Every life has a purpose. Please call. Life does get better. You matter, and there are people there to listen. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. And we're back here on Undivided after our mid-show point of the show break. This is episode 22. We're live here on May the 16th. It's 7.33 p.m. here in New Jersey. Maggie Stearns joins us from Minnesota. Audible.com is our sponsor. Undivided show. That's undivided, S-H-O-W, at gmail.com. I'm going to open the phone lines. Phone number two call, 646-716-9397. Again, it's 646-716-9397. If you have a question or a comment for Maggie or myself or on this topic, please give us a call. Please send us an email. Okay, Maggie, I hope you had a chance to get something to drink, catch your breath a little bit. And we're back here on the program. So now we bridge into our next segment called Bridging the Divide. So we've looked at the divide in the first segment. We talked about the role of helicopter parenting, of social anxiety disorder, and other anxiety disorders, on the role of anxiety in that parent-child relationship. So now we're at the point of the show where we ask, how do we bridge the divide between being an overbearing parent or a controlling parent to being a parent that allows a child autonomy without being completely hands-off? I think it's imperative for people to recognize that there is a middle ground. With, With pretty much everything, there's a middle ground. And People with anxiety tend to think in terms of extremes. They have a lot of the all or nothing thinking. So recognizing that there can be and that there is a middle ground as far as, you know, if I'm, if I'm not absolutely a perfect parent, that that makes me an incompetent parent. 
um, you know, just like if, if I'm, if I'm, you know, not bear overbearing, then I must be totally hands off or, you know, trying to avoid being one or the other, that there is some sort of middle ground is very important. And people with anxiety tend to have really some difficulty in recognizing that there can be an in-between. Uh, recognizing that being an anxious parent absolutely does not equal being a responsible parent. Um, I find that a lot of parents think that too, that as if if they're very anxious and sort of paranoid about, you know, their child's safety and health and education and all those really important things to pretty much every parent, that if they're not paranoid about it, that that equals them not loving or caring about their child as much as they could. And no parent wants to feel like they're not loving or caring about their child, you know, to the nth degree. So not 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 having those equal each other is very important just like being a laid back parent doesn't equal being an incompetent parent that is quote unquote totally hands off so finding some middle ground is really important um continue, continuously reassessing and adjusting a child's freedom if necessary remembering that you can take baby steps when you're giving your child some freedom whether that's you know them as a toddler venture, venturing out into their immediate world or whether it's an adolescent and you're playing around with the curfew, you know, see, try 10 o'clock and see how that goes. And if you can trust them and they can handle that, you can up the time. It's just like getting a child to, you know, letting them ride their bike in the driveway and eventually they can go down the sidewalk where you can see them and then they work till around the block. And so, you know, trusting the process and making that process really incremental as you're allowing your child to have a little bit more freedom and see how that goes. Of course, can increase education is really important. So whether that's through coaching or therapy or parenting groups, um, and that is to gain insight on how one's own anxiety is impacting the parental role. It's really important to get that education. And then be a parent first is a really important thing to remember and a friend second. I know I work with a lot of parents that it's a great area for them as far as you know, it's harder for them to draw boundaries when they're first trying to be the child's friend and that you really can be both, but children need limits and boundaries in order to, you know, grow and develop in a healthy and confident manner. I'm sure that, you know, parenting in in and of itself is something that I read because, you know, full disclosure, and I think people on the show know that, but people that are joining the show for the first time, I'm not a parent. So I don't have any firsthand experience, hence why I need to have people on that do, um, like Maggie and like Arlene two weeks ago, um, when we're talking about certain things, because I have not had that experience yet. But I can imagine that parenting and anxiety kind of go hand in hand to a certain degree. As we said, it's kind of natural for parents to worry and be concerned. And they talked about in one of the uh, studies I looked at, and there was an article, I think it was in Psychology Today, and I don't have the stats of her, I don't remember exactly, but they were saying how, you know, the major sources of anxiety for parents, you know, having their kid uh, kidnapped, uh, having them drown in a pool, uh, having them, you know, hurt themselves accidentally. While those things can happen, household accidents, God forbid, um, the, the number of kidnappings was so low. I don't have the percentage in front of me where it was actually like someone like came and actually like, took the child and abducted them versus all the other things that could have happened 
is such a small, small percentage of, and all the major three areas of worry were very small in comparison to what, you know, could actually happen in life. So it kind of dovetails onto how a lot of worry is kind of misguided. Um, so I'm glad that you provided some insight, you know, to our viewers in that regard. You know, as it is natural to do that, it, it also uh, is important to, um, you know, safeguard your children, but to have boundaries and, and to be realistic, too. Um, take baby steps, as you said. I, so I think that's very great, really great advice for our listeners who are parents. So thank Frank, you for that. I, um, I, one intervention. Yeah. Oh, can I add absolutely. something quick? Um, I'm just really gra- glad you brought up the the overestimation of risk. That actually is usually mm-hmm. the difference maker between a parent that tends to be a little bit more laid back and the anxious parent. It's it's has nothing to do, like I said, with the level of care and love for the child, but really the overestimation of risk. And I often have my clients think about, you know, say their fear, they have a a fear of flying. And I say, okay, so if you were told that you had a one in a million chance of flying tomorrow on your trip and your plane crashing, you know, how would you feel? Well, their answer is usually I I would focus on, I mean, there's a chance. I do have that one in a million chance. And then I flip it and I say, well, what if you were told you had one in a million chances to win the lottery? Are you going to bank on that? And they say, I mean, absolutely not. I'm not going to win the lottery. So you see how we we kind of change the rules to fit our anxiety to worry about something when really it it doesn't logically make sense. And that's a great way of overcoming that interpretation that, that you gave to disarm that is to try and flip it the other way. And what's another way of looking at this? And thank you for summing up what I didn't realize that's what it was called, the overestimation risk. I was just uh, kind of going off of uh, some things that I read. I did. And so uh, that sounds a lot nicer than the way that I put it. But um, uh, it, is it a, I guess I made an important point without realizing it, that there is um, some overestimation there of, of what could happen to us, you know, in our lives. Uh, and that's very important when we think about parenting and, and how we set those expectations and how we interpret certain things and what they mean uh, versus what, they, what the reality really is. Uh, what, if, what interventions can be made, excuse me, to help uh, facilitate parents, you know, have them feel supported? There's so many difficult times in, in the process of parenting and through that whole process. Uh, you know, postpartum depression pops up is something I read a lot about. So what are interventions can be made to help facilitate parents to feel supportive during difficult times and the stresses of raising a family? Parenting is so rewarding, but it also can be so incredibly uh, difficult and stressful at times and with a huge amount of responsibility. So, you know, therapy just Therapy, if there are unresolved psychological issues or some diagnosable impairments, you know, as it relates to anxiety or depression or anything else, um, therapy would be kind of the first layer uh, if there are some some of those deeper things going on. Coaching for managing stress and working towards future goals related to parenting and, and many other things that I will kind of mention um, later here, online support groups or, you know, friends that you have in your life that, you know, moms, I know, do a lot of lunch dates and 
talking and bonding over their experiences of parenting. And then, you know, if you have a spouse or a a partner, somebody that you are co-parenting with, that you can just be on the same page and work as a team on, that's a built-in resource if you have that available to you too. That's excellent. All really excellent advice um, for people that are trying. You know, as I talk a lot about on this show, it's uh, community and how, you know, human beings are made. We can't go through whatever it is in life alone. Uh, Most of us, you know, nobody can make it on our own. Most of us at some point will need some type of support from someone. So we've talked a lot about community in that aspect and in bonding with other parents, other, you know, maybe a teacher, uh, someone in a role that is, of a mentor, a coach, a friend, someone that can help you through. You know, there's going to be difficult times on everyone's path and everyone's road. And, and part of Undivided is to look at those things that I think society really tries to drive wedges between us and to return to a point of community. I did a couple of community events recently uh, with that in mind. You know, we don't really know who the person next door is or the person down the street is. And so that's where it helps. I know some of my friends who had kids who said, well, I didn't know where my neighbors were until I had children, <laughs> you know, because then you start hanging yeah. out. The kids start playing together and you meet the parent, right? You know, parents, working adults can be um, – you know, very um, kind of insulated from those things. And uh, so I know that's another point to make too is, you know, then you start meeting other people through through the kids and that helps in those times and in the, the stressful areas of, of raising a family, especially when you're feeling, you know, that anxiety. You had mentioned the role of coaching and we always circle back to that at least um, most of the time on this show. If the person on the program is not a coach, which I've had people outside of, the profession uh, that have been guests, I do the role of coaching. When the person is a coach, we either do a shared thing. We we always try and circle back to that on this show. And you had alluded to it in a couple of answers earlier in that one. What is the role of coaching in helping parents reduce the effects of anxiety? Well, so just, just to give a basis about coaching, you know, it focuses on getting clients from a present functional state to a future more optional state. So it it really kind of works on future goals and getting clients where they really ideally would like to be. So coaching can help parents identify their goals for parenting and the actual, you know, concrete means and steps they want to use to attain their goals. Um, The coach guides, you know, would guide the parent in identifying their own desired concrete steps for working towards these goals. So whether it's, you know, increasing self-care or the sense of more time, creating the sense of more time, addressing guilty or inadequate thoughts or feelings. Um, It could be addressing implementing healthy boundaries with, with children. So, you know, parents can really sort of name what their, their, main priorities are and the coach is a guide that can help them figure out their own path towards getting to those goals. Absolutely. You know, the coaching can have a very powerful effect on uh, helping to navigate some of those things, some of those effects. 
of anxiety, not only in parenting, but in, you know, if you're listening in, in life in general, if you're having anxiety at work, that can also tie into being anxious as a parent. You feel like you're constantly maybe under a barrage, under attack. And coaching can help with that. You know, we've um, discussed in prior shows, uh, especially my last show with, with Arlene, it came up a couple times with high school students and with parents, because she did a lot of coaching with parents. You know, if, if the student or the parent is saying, oh, I'm going to see a quote-unquote a shrink, uh, there's a stigma around that in society, whether like it or not there is. If they say they're going to see a, a counselor, you know, there's a stigma around that in society. If they have a life coach, they're like, oh, wow, man, that's cool. So there seems to be a, a different view of, of having a life coach involved, having a coach involved in the situation that maybe could break down some of those barriers uh, because that stigma isn't there. So I think that's an important aspect to put, put into place here too, especially when you think about men not wanting to go for help because of the stigma of that, but they say, hey, man, I got a life coach. And other guys will be like, hey, cool, that's awesome. You know, you don't have to tell them what you're working on. But that could be a way for men to, to maybe seek help in a, in a way that doesn't feel as confined stereotypically to why they would be resistant maybe to that. Um, so I want to Right, it doesn't. How do we break this cycle? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yo, I was just going to say you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't imply there's an actual impairment with coaching. It's more, oh, wow, it can be looked at as you're really motivated to, you know, reach your goals. And that's admirable rather than um, focusing on a weakness or an impairment. Unfortunately, that's kind of how people, society stigmatizes that. Exactly. I had a friend that wants to uh, potentially refer somebody to me and I said to, to him, I said, you know, if you're, you're going to do that, that's great because I don't know this person. But, you know, I would feel uncomfortable if I did. I don't know this person, but that's great if you do. But on the flip side of that, I'm not going to sit here and have him complain about his life uh, for an hour. I'm going to make him work. So, you know, that's <laughs> that's coaching too. It's not, you know, there's work to be done. We're going to focus on things in a very concrete way and give you real concrete steps to move forward. Uh, based off of that, how do we break the cycle, quote-unquote? Because we talk about how, you know, that this behavior can be modeled. And how do we model constructive and healthy behavior versus the behavior we discussed in the first segment of the show? So how do we break the cycle there? There's so many things in societal issues where there's a cycle that gets passed down from generation to generation or from family to family member, um, how do we model constructive, healthy behaviors so that the children can be healthy, well-adjusted adults? I think we first need to really be clear on and recognize that we are role models for our children as parents. So if we fear the world or have you know, a lot of intrepidation about saying we, we teach them to do the same, now, as they emerge out of adolescence and into adulthood and have other experiences outside of their immediate home, you know, there some kids can really overcome that and realize, oh, I'm out in the big world and there are other experiences and I don't need to feel this way about this or that. However, sometimes some damage has already been done and some anxiety has been created. So 
the first important step is recognizing that we really are role models. Uh, people that, that say that, you know, no matter what my parenting is, I think my kid's going to turn out the way they are. I would really actually strongly disagree with that, um, that we at least have an impact. You know, like we've, like we've been talking about getting help for it. If you do recognize that you've got an impairment with anxiety, seeking out therapy, some coaching, doing some self-help readings, um, incorporating healthy people in your life that can kind of, you know, provide another perspective for you is helpful. Uh, if you do have anxiety as a parent, you know, not all hope is lost. And so that's an important point as well. And you're able to recognize that it's beyond normal stress or worry. Sometimes it's just really helpful to acknowledge it to your child. My dad is my dad and my grandma are actually a, a good example of this. My dad is a somebody I would deem as a really emotionally healthy person. And growing up, his dad worked a lot and was less involved in the parenting process. And his mom had a lot of anxiety that she dealt with. Um, but a difference with her versus you know some other parents is that she was able to really acknowledge it to my dad. And say, you know, even though this is a struggle for me or I tend to hold back in this way in my life, you shouldn't do this. You know, it's, it's, it's not really the practicing what you preach type thing. But if anxiety is that debilitating, acknowledging it can at least start to give your child or your children another perspective and way to live their lives that isn't so controlled by anxiety. Um, lastly, giving kids healthy independence and freedom to explore their world is important, but keeping parameters around that to keep them safe, which means having to tell them no sometimes and learning to get really comfortable with being able to do that. That's very important. So many uh, parents just want to say yes, uh, you know, to everything. And uh, so like, like the, um, a movie with Jim Carrey at that time. Yes to all, you know, when he responds to the email. Um, and uh, you, you can't do that. Uh, you're going to end up with, with repercussions. My, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that very personal example uh, between your grandmother and, and your father. Um, and thank you for, for going to that place with, with our listeners. In, in my life, my grandmother used to say, it's very, it my mom's mother, she used to say it's very easy to be a bad parent. It's very difficult to be a good one. And at the time, I didn't really understand what she meant, you know, but then I would hear stories about, you know, back in the day when my mom was growing up and was a teenager, the Beatles were huge, you know, and my grandparents wouldn't let her go to the famous Shea Stadium concert. And, you know, she was so upset she didn't talk to them for like days. You know, she was brooding about it but they felt that she wouldn't be safe going to something like that. Um, so they, they chose to, to not let her go. And all, of course, all her friends went because the parents have said yes. So it brings about that in my, in my own life to use that example. You know, you have to break the cycle somewhere and you have to say, okay, you know, we're going to set boundaries, you know, so that we have equal respect and that allows the, the child some autonomy, yet also provides some, some control for the parent to, to assure them. So thank you for sharing that. That, that was a great example. Uh, made me think of an example out of my own life. Um, so now we're in the uh, final set of our, our show, on our final segment. 
And that final segment comes somewhere between, you know, 10 minutes to the hour, five minutes to the hour. We're five minutes in front of the hour of 8 o'clock, 7.55, live here on the East Coast, Undivided, Episode 22. And our last segment is called Common Ground. And that's where we look to take what we identified in the divide, what we identified in bridging that divide, so controlling parents versus hands-off parents, anxiety transference versus the group of parents that feel that there is no accountability, that however they parent shouldn't have any bearing long-term on the child. So with that as the backdrop, how can we find common ground to introduce concrete steps to parents, you know, who may feel that way, you know, they may feel, Oh, you know, I, uh, what I, I do is no bearing on it. How, how do we, provide them some concrete steps and other parents concrete steps to cope with anxiety. Well, education is, is really important. Like I've said already tonight, probably a couple of times, but um, I came equipped tonight with some real concrete steps. If you, you know, either have been diagnosed with anxiety or you suspect that you may struggle with some anxiety uh, I, I also want to put in the caveat that in my experience in treating anxiety, whether it's through, you know, coaching or therapy, um, people often, you know, it's, it's hard to deal with and people want the quick fix and the simple answer and what, you know, is kind of the easiest or the quickest. And I totally understand that. And on the flip side, there isn't, there really literally isn't that magic pill. So um, medication can certainly help, but um, the good news is that there are so many things that we can do to help relieve some anxiety that are totally within our control. So that's what I'm going to talk about here tonight. Um, You know, basic self-care such as eating and sleeping well, attending medical appointments and just keeping up on one's health is really important. Um, exercise or any sort of physical activity, hobbies, you know, what do you enjoy doing and want to spend some spare time doing um, just to sort of, you know, calm your mind and, and get it focused on something else. Connecting with others. We as human beings have an innate need to connect in some capacity. Even people with social anxiety that tend to, you know, avoid social situations um, they tend to really feel the rub with that because they they still feel that lack of connection. They're just scared of it and don't know how to navigate it. So, you know, something like therapy or coaching could really help with that. Being scheduled but not overly scheduled. I see so many people in my practice that are overly scheduled, and this in and of itself can really cause anxiety. I have parents that say, Oh, but my, you know, 15-year-old wants to be in five or six activities at one time. She loves all of them. And I say, yes, but she needs parameters. She needs to, you know, pick one or two things because when we're overscheduled, we do start to feel anxious, and that's exactly what ends them up in my office. But being somewhat scheduled and busy and not bored to tears is, is also good. Um, productivity, you know, working towards a goal, whether it's a project or just being engaged at work. Uh, maybe it's training for a marathon. Uh, laughing. Laughing is great medicine, and it can also take the edge off of anxiety. So whether it's, you know, reading a book or a movie or watching a show, getting some sort of laughter in is healthy. 
And then, you know, praying, meditating, doing something that calms or centers you, whatever that might be, is another great way to tackle anxiety. So those are just some concrete things that we can do without even seeking professional help. Excellent first steps. Excellent first steps for our listeners. Uh, real concrete. Never underestimate the power of laughter. It's very important. As I was going through and um, looking at some of my notes, I realized I forgot the disclaimer. So better late than never. The disclaimer for the show is that the uh, views of the show and the opinions of the show, some of the things that are uh, translated on this show may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, my guest tonight, in this case, Maggie, or definitely not the views of Life Coach Radio Network. So I want to get that disclaimer out there. I usually do it in the beginning. I forgot. I was going through and kind of in the moment with um, some of these other things. And, but at least we get it in. It's important to get it in uh, at some point so that's out of the way. Um, thank you very much, uh, Maggie, for sharing that and insight, sharing your expertise on, on this subject. You gave us um, all the listeners a lot to really chew on and to to think about. And, you know, I'd like to say if, if you're out there, you're looking for someone to help you uh, coach you around some things as a parent, coach you around different things related to anxiety, you know, let, let Maggie uh, know, give her um, – uh, contact her. Uh, uh, email is Maggie at MaggieSternsCoaching.com. And their website is MaggieSternsCoaching.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. What do you have going on? You have, um, I know, you know, as a, a mom, a wife, and running two businesses, <laughs> I figured you were well qualified to speak to the subject. But, you know, what do you have going on as far as, you know, what, maybe in coaching or an upcoming event? I know you do some presentations. Um, uh, what, what's on the horizon? You know, Frank, right now, like you said, I'm running a lot of things here and have, have a lot of pots going at once. So I am just really focusing right now on my um, individual coaching and therapy practices. So I'm doing a lot of one-on-one coaching and that's where I'm putting my energy right now. I'm kind of in between, you know, talks and presentations at the moment. So one-to-one coaching is where I'm focusing my energy at the moment. Oh, that's great. You know, that's where you can make a a tremendous amount of impact. Um, You know, people think, oh, you got to do a workshop, you got to do a presentation you got to go, like they said, oh, Frank, you might have to go speak to 200 people. I said, that's fine. But, you know, you make the most impact in the one-on-one session, in the one-to-one setting when you're in there with someone. I'm sure you could attest to that. Uh, so that's where people can find you if they're interested in doing so? Yes, that is correct. I also have a um, Facebook Facebook page where I do lots of free, you know, and complimentary trainings. And that is Maggie Stern's empowerment coaching. Yes. I knew there was something else. That's what I was trying to lead you. Thank you for following. Um, there was something else I didn't have. Uh, Facebook's a big presence for us. So the empowerment coaching aspect of that, uh, check that out, check out some of what Maggie has uh, there. Uh, Maggie, it's been a blessing to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. If you want to, to stick with me to the end, that's fine. I'm going to do some promotions and close up. If you want to shoot off, I understand because it's 
you know, dinner time your way. Um, we're right at 8.03 here uh, Eastern Time, Life Coach Radio Network's Undivided, episode number 22, uh, Anxiety and Parenting. Thank you, Maggie Stearns, for coming on and being a part of Undivided. Thank you, Frank. All right, so we're going to do some show promotions as we always do here, upcoming show promotions and promo my next show, and then we'll see you guys next time around on the campus of life, as they say. Kimberly Frazier, Enjoying Life Purpose. That's Kimberly Frazier, Enjoying Life on Purpose. Thursday, the 24th of May is the new episode. It's a relatively new show. You haven't checked it out. It's a really interesting series. Kimberly Frazier, Enjoying Life on Purpose. Thursday, the 24th of May, 7 p.m. Eastern, over on the Life Coach chat channel. And then on June the 6th, Holy Shift. That's Holy Shift, S-H-I-F-T, Holy Shift, like a shift in energy. And that's what they talk about on that show. Barb Heenan and Leslie, they have a show, Holy Shift, first and third Wednesdays of the month, their next episode is June the 6th. So again, the first and third Wednesday of every month, 8 a.m. Central Time. That's on Life Coach Radio Network against 8 a.m. Central. That's 9 a.m. in the East. Holy Shift, S-H-I-F-T, Barb Heenan and Leslie. That show is very interesting. And that's a good bridge because my show is first and third Wednesday of the month. So it's important to uh, viewers and listeners that don't know I will not be on two weeks from now like I'm usually on every other week as it's his first and third Wednesday I have where the calendar allows me a three-week break so keep that in mind my next show after the three weeks will be June the 6th with Amy Phillips food for the poor www.foodforthepoor.org that's food for the poor great charity out of South Florida 800 427 9104. That's 800 427 9104. Food for the Poor. MAP International. That's M A P as in Peter. MAP International 800 225 8550. That's 800 225 8550. Or go to www.map. That's M A P as in Peter. Org to donate. These are great charities. I do a lot of very important work for people that are disenfranchised, people that are very ill. So please reach out and give as you can. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. So we have a lot coming up here on Life Coach Radio Networks. Uh, It's been wonderful to have uh, Maggie on. I thank her again for coming on. Uh, Maggie Stearns is really helpful in navigating anxiety and parenting. And the two shows that we had on in May, that kind of bridge responsibility uh, two weeks ago, uh, high school students, teen stress tonight, anxiety and parenting. Uh, my next show on June the 6th, after the three-week break with Amy Phillips that I mentioned before, will be live at 7 p.m. Uh, here on Life Coach Radio Network. And Amy is a specialist and expert in uh, love of yourself. Um, so she has a, a coaching practice around love myself, the love of self. So we're going to be talking about how you have to love yourself, forgive yourself before you can serve other people. It's very important. We did a show on self-care. We've done a couple of aspects of this in other shows. 
I think it's an important distinction to make, and I think it's at this point in the life cycle of the show to go to the lowest common denominator, which is yourself and the divides that can happen within things that you may hold yourself to that you can't get around, you can't forgive yourself for doing that might hold you back. So we're going to talk about a lot of those internal divides and how you can move beyond those to live a life of, of harmony and peace and, and health and success in all things um, and, and a high energy, real fulfilled life. So Amy Phillips is going to join me on that show. And again, that's June the 6th. So this has been Undivided, episode number 22. Thank you so much for listening. Anxiety and parenting was a topic. I hope we gave you some great advice. And I hope that it will help families and parents and children to live truly undivided. For Russ Terry, for Trina Ramsey, for Danica Treble, for all those at Life Coach Radio Network, I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. I'm blessed to do this for you. And I'm blessed and thank very much the listeners for listening this evening and, for, and to all the other episodes. Thanks for your support. And until I see you guys again on June the 6th, as always, be blessed and be well. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.